0: say thank you for the work that you are doing in our hearts and lives. Lord, for answers to prayer, for just strength and guidance in our daily lives. Lord, we just want to thank you for all the things that you do that we can see. We want to say thank you for all the things you do that we're not even aware of, Lord. We we just want to um, be in remembrance that you're always working, you're always doing things, and some of the greatest things you do for us, Lord, is your protection and your watch care over us. And, Lord, how many times have we come so close to death's door, not even been aware of it, but your hand was working, and all that you did protected us and kept us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The frowns. All right. Go, ye kids. We'll see you later. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 1. And uh, if you want a title for tonight's message, it's simply Let's Talk About Jesus. Um, that's what we're going to do tonight. Not going to be a long or tedious sermon, I pray, but. Uh, We're just going to go through the first few verses of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And let's just start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, one thing you'll notice if you've ever read through the Gospel of John, it just simply tells the story about Jesus. I mean, this is one of the reasons we hand out John and Romans. If you want a place to start reading your Bible, if you have someone that says, well, I'm not sure about this. I'd like to read the Bible a little bit. Say start in the Gospel of John. Uh, that is the best place to start. It just tells the story of Jesus. And in these first few uh, verses here that we have read, we're introduced to Jesus in the beginning. And, uh, of course, we understand that... The word in, in the English is, in the beginning was. Now, the word was is usually a uh, used in a past tense. Uh, it is the be verb. It is the basic uh, verb of every language. And in the beginning, God already was. The word already was in existence. Uh, the, the word did not begin in the beginning. Uh, there are many uh, different and strange and wondrous stories out there. But when we're talking about in the beginning, we're talking about the beginning of what we understand and what we know. Uh, the beginning of time, the beginning of creation is what's going to be addressed here. You need to understand something God already was. He didn't get any bigger. He's never gotten any better. He's never gotten any worse. God does not change. And it uses the word here, the title for God, talking specifically about Jesus Christ. If we cross-references to verse 12, it says, The Word already was, yet the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Uh, I think I've given this illustration more than one occasion. We had a person visiting our church several years ago. And he didn't stay around very long. But uh, he wanted to explain to me about the Trinity. And I said, oh my, this is going to be good. I, I I just had that feeling. And he said, I've gotten this copyrighted at the United States Copyright Office. This is mine. No one else has done this. And I'm going, oh man, this is really going to be good. The only thing good came out of it was he introduced me to iced coffee. I'd never drank it before. And I drank some to be polite to him and found out I like it very much in the summertime. Uh, But... Other than that, he began to explain to me and had all these little pictures drawn out. And he said, let me just make it real easy for you, Pastor. He said, you're Pete Montoro, the pastor. And you're Pete Montoro, the father of your children. And you're Pete Montoro, the husband of your wife. And that's how God is a trinity. And I looked at him and I tried not to laugh too hard and I said oh, I said you believe in the modal view of God. And he goes, what? What's that? I said, well this is this is nothing new. I said, this is a classic misunderstanding of the Trinity that God is different persons as he fulfills different offices. He, he just kind of changes. I said, you've got one serious breakdown and, and of course I'm tried to be kind and sweet over the years, but I didn't feel very kind or sweet at that point. I said, here's your problem. I said, if Pete Montoro, the pastor, starts having conversations with either Pete Montoro, the father, or Pete Montoro, the husband, the guys in the little white suits are going to come and carry me away. Because God's not schizophrenic. He's not multi-personality. He's multi person and, and it takes a little thought. And this is, this is what I'm... Every once in a while, we just need to stop and we need to think about Jesus. We need to think about God. Those of you that have had the privilege of being married, others, if you'll think about your parents or someone that you've been very close to over the years, you can spend an entire lifetime with a person and know nearly everything about them, if you work at it. Now, there there are people that spend a whole lifetime together in marriage or some type of relationship, and, and they don't even know each other's middle name. I mean, they're just, it, it's a marriage of convenience or a marriage of this or something like that. I mean, we, we see that illustrated in politi- uh, politics in Hollywood. Try to say those both together. That's what I almost just did. Uh, It doesn't work. But uh, you get the same result. But if you have the privilege of spending your entire life trying to get to know someone, you know what you're going to find out? I don't know everything. Well, God is trying to help us understand something. You can spend your entire life trying to investigate God. And you're not going to get any farther than right here. Scratching the surface. Because God's not one person. He's three persons. In the beginning was the Word. How did God create the heavens and the earth? Genesis chapter 1. And God said, Let there be light. When God says something, it's going to happen. This is where the Calvinist runs off in his tangent of the um, sovereignty of God and, and all of these things. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day, talking with someone. If you really take Calvinism and run it back to its origins... You know where you end up? Star Wars. They have this good and evil that makes that balances out the force and without evil you can't have good, and without good you can't have evil. That's Star Wars. Actually, whoever wrote the story borrowed that from what we classically call the Eastern mystical religions. You You see the symbol often, uh, the yin and the yang. Uh, The black is supposed to be evil and the white is supposed to be good and they work together. And you must have both of them to complete the circle. That's as foreign to the Scripture and as blasphemous of the character of God of anything I know. And yet Calvinism, if you'll take it back, if you have this God that planned both evil and good, Does he not fit the pattern of the Eastern mystic far more than he fits the pattern of the Bible? By the way, if you really want some interesting studies, study the parallels between Calvinism and Islam in their basic philosophy. Both of them are very fatalistic in in their approach to the world, in their understanding of God. And and it allows this God to be aloof and, and way far away. And, of course, Islam, that's very, very important. Because if God is not way far away, then what in the world does Muhammad have to do? You see, that's why Muhammad is so important. It's he, he is the connection between you and this God. As a Muslim man described to me years ago, he, uh, witnessing to him, he said that if you go to Moses and say, can you take me to God... He'll tell you, yes, I can, but it'll take 100,000 years. And if you go Jesus, to Jesus and ask him if he can take you to God, he'll say, yes, but it'll take 10,000 years. But if you go to Muhammad, he'll say, right this way. And I looked at him and I said, that's blasphemous. That's a serious charge to someone in Islam. They kill people for that stuff. He said, what do you mean? I said, the Bible says... That Jesus is God. It can't take him any time at all. Well, then he accused me of being blasphemous. But of his religion, yes. But you see, in the beginning, the Word already was. And the Word already was with God. And yet, the Word... Already was God. God has not changed. He's not modified himself. He has I I am so glad to tell you that God has not lowered the standards. But God wants to illustrate something to us in this Trinity, in this viewing of Him, in this revelation of God in three distinct persons, that He is so far beyond our knowing or comprehension. And yet he still reaches out to us. Isn't that amazing? Don't ever get over that. Don't ever get past the fact of God's greatness, of God's vastness, of God's incomprehensibility, of God's. He. It, it, sometimes you just. I just sit and I'll try. If I ever get a chance, to just sit down, but I'll, I'll try to think about the fact that. God doesn't think about anything. I have to think about everything. And I still have to rethink it when I do it wrong. How about you? But God never thinks. Because He already knows. That, that's part of His being God. The depth of His greatness and His knowledge that is the fact that He never has to reason he never has to put things together as we do. And these first two verses paint to us the first two people, persons of the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now we move to the second point the Creator. All things were made by Him. Who? God. Who? The Word. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And we go to Genesis and we read how God spoke in light. And He spoke in the sun, the moon, the stars on day four and... Uh, the sea divided from the dry land and God began to form and put life into the sea and on the dry land and the plants. And finally, he created the mammals and then he created man and woman. And you stop and you look at all of the diversity of life on this earth. You know, I, I, I just have to believe that God anticipated the evolutionist when He created the duckbill platypus. How many of you have ever heard of that creature? It just—I've uh, only seen pictures of it. I think I may have seen one in a zoo one time. But the best way to describe a duckbill platypus—they live in New Zealand and in, in that little corner of the world was that God had a box full of extra parts after he's done. And he just put them all together. Because it's got a bill like a duck, hence duck bill, but it's a mammal, but it lays eggs. Just like a chicken or an amphibian. And it lives half in the water and half on the ground, but it breathes air and it's warm-blooded, it's got fur. It's just like everything that you ever thought about anything, it's all included in this one creature. You cannot explain that with evolution. It doesn't make sense. When we visited Peter, uh, we went to the zoo, and they had this uh, Sumerian tiger in there. And the only separation was a piece of glass about that thick. And he was rubbing his face against the glass and just walking back and forth. I mean, just little Petey was just standing there going, <laughs> and so was I, but I wasn't going to admit it in front of my grandson. Amen? Uh, to be that close to something. But do you know what those big cats do with 90% of their life force? They'll gorge themselves on a meal and then they'll do nothing for a week or more. They'll just lay there. Now, if evolution was true, the lion should have died off a long time ago. Because you're supposed to be more efficient and, and better worker and more industrious. That's what evolution is supposed to produce. By the way, that's what... Communism was supposed to produce. I'm still waiting on it. How about you? Uh, Almost sounds like the same people came up with the same ideas, now doesn't it? And without him was not anything made that was made. How many times have you been perplexed with life problems? Hmm? Hmm? And this illustration has been given many times. You get the new whatever it is. can be assembled by any three-year-old child holding a Ph.D. from MIT, right? Uh, and it comes in only 40,000 little pieces of various sizes. And you're supposed to assemble it all. And it's never going to look like what the picture looks like. Now, when you get there, wouldn't it be great if the guy that wrote those directions, the guy that invented that machine just sat down beside you and said, this is how it goes together. This is how you use it. Over the years, the Lord's allowed me to work with some real craftsmen, different things. I think of Roger Hoffman did some of the woodwork in our auditorium here. And just to work with a guy like that. I learn more watching him than I do trying to do it myself. Um, when when we were doing some auto body work and different things for... Uh, Brother Clayton worked with the guys in heaven today. His name was Charlie Sheffy. Stood about this tall. And, and he worked on big trucks. You know, the big semis. That go. To, he was the guy that fixed them when they got in wrecks. Put them all back together again and you couldn't... You couldn't tell that it had been in a wreck when Charlie was done. And uh, he held that, he disobeyed every rule in the book when it came to painting. It was hilarious. You're supposed to go back and forth, nice and Charlie, goes, <laughs> back and forth, up and down, all over. It still came out. Gorgeous. However, he did that, I don't know. But. Why can't we understand that when we come up against a difficulty in life, we can talk to the guy who made everything? Not only did he make it, he still owns it. He still rules it. He still controls it. That's what this verse means. And without him was not anything made that was made. He's the maker of it. And he says, Ask the Father in my name that you may receive, that your joy may be full. You know, uh, I love that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. You see... That's what this little... just want to talk about Jesus tonight. He already was before anything began. He is the creator. We we get taken back, we get frustrated in life, we can talk to the guy who made it. Amen. We can we can talk to him directly in prayer knowing that he hears us if we'll just use the instructions that are in this Word, and if we'll just follow what the Bible says, it tells us that He cares about us. Then we get to verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness... And the darkness comprehended it not. Life. It is a gift from God. This is why, how many of you remember the Terry Schiavo thing in Florida where that man got control of his wife's life support system, and systematically starved her. It took over three weeks for her to die. That's not prolonging death. That is stamping out life. If someone is, quote-unquote, brain dead on a respirator and you unplug them, if they're dead, actually dead, their body will die in just a few minutes. Depending on how much oxygen has been going through the veins and all of those things. Uh, believe it or not, and I don't mean to be gory tonight, but dead people can still go through the act of breathing because the oxygen is still in the tissues. And, and it's just moving. And it can take 10 or 15 minutes for that to, to uh, work its way out and the person to die. It's, it's uh, not a pleasant thing, but with all of our technology today, uh, we, can, we can prolong death a whole lot better than we can life in some instances. But when a person is dead, they die. When a person is alive, and this has happened on many occasions, the doctor declares him brain dead they unplug the respirator and all of a sudden they start breathing And the doctor says it, uh, uh, I don't know what to say what do you want to do? hey plug it back in man lets uh, this person's still alive they're still they they're still showing their body is starting to function on its own and people say well I, I don't want to be like that I don't want to be in some vegetative state. I don't want to be all crippled up and can't talk and all of these kinds of things. Let me tell you, I can't explain it all, but I will tell you this. Life comes from God. And as a human being, you don't have a right to stop it. In the womb, or in the hospital bed. When a person dies, you can't keep them alive. I mean, you could make them go through the motions, but they're they're dead. And one of the reason God gives us so many types of life that someone would say, "I don't want to live like that. Make sure I die first. Well, you know what? That choice isn't yours. That's God's. Because life comes from Him. And God wants to teach us how precious it is. Spent three years working in a nursing home. Worked on the night shift two of those years. That's when most people die in the middle of the night. I never met anybody that died easy that body fought i remember a fellow i took care of him for weeks you you couldn't get him to eat you couldn't get him to drink he just laid in bed curled up in a fetal position and it took weeks for that body to finally give up he was well into his 90s he was ready to die But that body just would not let go. You know why? Because God wants us to understand how precious life is. Life is light. But you need to understand this. If you don't have something worth dying for, you probably don't have much worth living for. I mean I, I, I just think of all of our the history of this country and all the men memorial days coming up every once in a while you You just need to remember one of the things that has made American military history so different than many other nations is the American soldier with very few exceptions, was not a slave. He was a willing volunteer. Even those, many of those that were drafted, except for Vietnam. That's when things changed dramatically. And a lot of other things changed with it. You see, life is light. And one of the things that has never, ever happened, only in novels, does the darkness put out the light. You go into a dark room and you turn on the light switch, and guess what? The darkness goes away. Always does, always has, always will. How many of you remember when that light came on in your life and you got rid of the burden of your sin and the darkness of death and had assurance of your eternity? That's because in Him is life, and that life is the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness... And the darkness does not comprehend, does not understand, does not envelop the light. How many millions of miles does light travel across the darkest corners of space? They tell us that some of those stars are a 100,000 light years away. You know, sometimes I I wonder if our mathematics might be just a little wrong. And uh, when we we get to heaven and God gives us a glorified body, we're going to see how different creation is. Because there's some things about creation we can't understand. Now, if you run into one of those guys who said, the earth stands still and everything rotates around the earth. There are people out there that believe that. Uh, I'm not sure that I do. But all of our interplanetary travel, when we send these little satellites out and all that kind of stuff, we just uh, bounce the satellite past Pluto. I think it took 14 years for it to get there, to take some pictures and send it back to Earth. All those calculations are based on a stationary Earth. Interesting. Interesting. I have a feeling when we get to heaven, we're going to find out we were all wrong about a lot of things. Can I just trust the Creator with that I don't understand? And instead of trying to explain the light, live in the light, rather than in the darkness, amen? You see, this is Jesus. This is what He came to give us. This is who He is. And the Bible is very clear about this. You have to choose to believe in Him. I am so glad I don't have to understand it all. I'll just talk to the guy who made the place. He's the one who wrote the rules. He's the guy that invented it. I figure he'll know best what to do with that. So what I often tell young people is that, don't you think that Jesus would do a better job with your life than you will? Hello. In Him is life, and the life is light of men. That's Jesus. And we need to worship Him. We need to pray in His name. We need to understand that He is the answer, not the question. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You and we just ask that You would be with us. That You would allow us to spend a little bit of time tonight. just thinking about Jesus. Trying to understand His greatness and the vastness of the being. One God. Three persons. The Word. The Father. And the Spirit. Yet the Creator. Lord, we're so thankful that there is no puzzle to You. There is no brand. There is nothing that is in existence that you did not make and Lord your life and that life is our light we never have to compromise the light to accommodate the darkness but the darkness always has to leave when light comes into the room Help us, Lord, to be your servants, to walk in the steps that you would have us to walk in, to serve you the way that you would have us to live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Before we finish that prayer, as we usually do, we'll take just a moment. And if you need the altar, the altar's open, and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.